Today we are discussing Sorcerer's Stone, Chapter 12, The Mirror of Erised. I am your host, Rebecca. And I am your host, Madison. So, it's Christmas. Christmas time! <laughs> kind of. This is probably going up in November. I don't know if it is uh, holiday music time yet, but consider that your preview if it's not. I think technically Christmas music is for after thanksgiving but Mm -hmm. i think it's starting november 1st we're good to go cool cool christmas Christmas. unless you don't celebrate christmas in which case there's some excellent hanukkah music out there there is and like non-denominational non-associated general wintery tunes some yuletide tunes some just winter tunes and Mm -hmm. lots of stuff about snow so much about snow This is probably what it's like at Hogwarts, listening to Hanukkah songs, listening to Sting. Um, I'm sure that's exactly what they listen to. I would think so. They have whatever their, um, what is it from Prisoner of Azkaban, the the gramophone situation for uh, the choir? Is that a thing? Do they have that or was that in a deleted scene? Frog Choir, though, they had a Christmas song, didn't they? Probably. In one of the... At some point, maybe. There's some... There's decent I feel like I remember, like, a scene from the movies with them. That might have just been, like, an intro. That might have been the start of the year, actually. Mm. I might be grasping. So we... Not only we have Christmas in this chapter, we discover the Mirror of Erised... We get the invisibility cloak, have a nice chat with our old pal Dumbledore, and learn that the library is the scariest place at Hogwarts after dark. I mean, just by the screaming book, it sounds like a scary place just any time. Right? But also we're hearing it from an unreliable narrator, which is mm-hmm. Harry, who we know is anti-library and you know this is the first time (laughs) that we see that anti-library sentiment come up in hogwarts where madame pince is you know acting in a a very mean way for a librarian that i don't know well because they're like well we know that she could answer our question but we don't trust her like why why not (laughs) what's she gonna tell snape for it's it's like, I mean, unless you go up to her and say, like, hey, we're trying to bust Snape for something. Can you give us some intel? <laughs> give us the deets. Give us the In lowdown. In which case, then, like, yeah, I'm sure she'd be like, do you know these kids are just, like, trying to investigate you right now? <laughs> <laughs> but how, like, funny would that be, though? Like, I mean, I feel like Snape takes these kids way too seriously. These are 11-year-olds who are, like, going to the library every day to try and, like, bust you for something random. Like, that's adorable. Right? Like, talk to them. Just let them know, hey, all is good. You don't need to, like, you don't need to be mad about it. They're 11. (laughs) It's okay. You're going to be okay, Snape. I promise. I'm still confused as to why they never told McGonagall or Dumbledore at this point. Like, I know that they probably wouldn't have been believed, but, like, they have no reason to know that at this point. No, like... I get that Harry doesn't trust authority, like, right. sure, but he's not the only person in this situation, and so I don't know if they're like, 
okay, because Snape is a teacher here, you know, we also shouldn't trust authority because if authority trusts Snape, then they can't be trusted. It just, I don't know. But they're also, like, just blabbing away to Hagrid. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They're like, we're just going to go look at who Flamel is. And he's just like, why are you doing that? They're like, well, we got to figure all this out. They just tell him, like, their entire plan and everything they've been doing. Uh, I think they know, though, that he has told them. (sighs) (laughs) He's told them more than he's supposed to, so they know he can't do anything to stop them legitimately. (laughs) Otherwise, he is kind of rude. (laughs) It is. It is very exploitative of these children. (laughs) Yeah, like poor Hagrid is trying to like do a good job, and like he's like, "Oh, I gotta help. I'm being part of this. I got this giant three-headed dog for everybody." And then these eleven-year-olds come in and try to just take advantage of them. Like so rude, y'all. Honestly, but Mm. they're eleven and eleven-year-olds. Hard. Rude. <laughs> they are quite rude. And and I was thinking how it's described that, like, in the hallways when it gets this cold, like, they're walking through the hallways literally freezing with their breath visible. And yeah. why don't we have, like, the, um, like, when you sit outside at a restaurant, the, like... Yeah. They need some they're of those like for the hallways. Little propane heater thingy, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Because like electricity doesn't work at Hogwarts, I accept that. But propane should be fine, right? Mm-hmm. And these children don't need to be freezing their butts off between classes, so. Yeah. Also, if I was a teacher, I'd be like, I'm not working here. I need a <laughs> freaking heater. These conditions are unacceptable. They're in Europe in the middle of winter, like <laughs> they need a freaking heater. <laughs> and they have magic. Like there's no reason it should be this cold. No, this is absurd. This is honestly a human rights violation of every type. So, the Wizarding World cares about human rights violations. They do not whatsoever. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> um, so we've got a lot of happy things to talk about here. So let's jump into our Patronus fuel. Which, honestly, this chapter is just like a giant king-sized candy bar of Patronus fuel because there's so much happy holiday fun times. Yes. So much. And there's lots of fun George, which Yes. I need. Mm-hmm. They're delightful chaos. I I cannot the joke never gets old when they call themselves Gred and Forge when they have their sweaters. It it never makes me not laugh. I always <laughs> laugh when I read that. So that was amazing to read again and laugh again at that. It's so good. And I, it just, like, it's, it kind of continues off of the, like, them tricking their mom, like, on the platform. Mm-hmm. Of being like, honestly, you call yourself our mom. And he's like, no, not really. Like, you were right. It's fine. <laughs> it reminds me of me and my sister being, like, five years old and trying to, like, see if our parents could tell us apart, like, Wearing to the clothes and our parents were like, yeah, we can tell you apart. Like, you're, you're being stupid. <laughs> I have a twin to, to clarify that for everybody. That <laughs> must not just be... me and like my like older sister or something being idiots. <laughs> it feels like a rite of passage in twinhood to at least try that. Uh, but yeah, Fred and George are my favorites and I love them forever. 
and they're incredible. Mm-hmm. And they threw snowballs at Voldemort's face, which yes. is. I I like to think that. I I mean that must have been on purpose, and I think that. I'm mad that I don't like J.K. Rowling anymore because, like, I think that would have been, like, such a, like, fun thing as an author to be like, <laughs> I'm writing this and nobody knows that they're throwing snowballs in <laughs> Voldemort's face. <laughs> and then, like, later to see people get it be like, yes, everyone got it. <laughs> but, I mean, I hate J.K. Rowling, so, so. I, don't, I don't want her to be happy. But it, it still makes me happy, so. <laughs> yes, make you happy. <laughs> mm, we have snowball fights... And Christmas dinner, like the way the turkey and the potatoes and the desserts and everything is described. I want my own holiday feast immediately. Anytime food is described at length in a chapter, I'm probably just going to be like, hey, everyone, the food sounds great. So, <laughs> I think, honestly, the food in this chapter sounds like, I think it's one of the best feasts that's described. Oh, yeah, by far. And I think part of it is the, like, I feel like being at Hogwarts at Christmas kind of, you know, just with a few people would probably feel really special. And that adds to the specialness of the feast because there's, like, what, 20, 15 people there. Yeah. And then you have, like, the Weasleys with you, too, after, like, this, like, great day of having, like, a snowball fight and then hanging out by the fire and getting all these presents. And just it's just such a good vibe. Yeah. Mm. It feels like it just makes you feel like warm fuzzies. All over. And wizard's chess. He learned how to play wizard's chess. Yes. He's not very good at it, but he's doing it. He's doing his best. And this is like... I like this kind of foreshadowing where it just fits perfectly into what's already happening. Where like, we're going to play wizard's chess later, but isn't it adorable that they're playing it right now at Christmas? Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel and forced. And he his own, his own set too. Yes. I wonder how long it takes them to trust him. I think it probably depends on how long it takes him to get good. <laughs> Very true. They're just like you keep getting us killed, so we are never gonna trust you. <laughs> never. Which is valid. I love, I love the involvement of chess in this book. It's such a, like. I don't know. I like chess a lot. I played a lot of chess. It's just, it's very, I like the aesthetic, I guess. I agree. I think it's in the movie, like it's cool and all, but like in the book, I I really like that it's more involved and you like talk to the pieces and stuff. And it's just very cool. Yeah. It's a little less violent. (laughs) A little. I, uh, for the Wiz Olympics one year, I wrote the uh, human chess tournament and we decided that it was a like fight to the death <laughs> and um all of the if you were killed whatever move it was that the other player did that killed you so you can like lance a piece you can fork it that's how they would die so <laughs> it was extremely gruesome to write um <laughs> But it was very funny. If you like really dark, gory humor, you can go read that on MuggleNet. It is very gory, so just be very cautious if that bothers you. Um, Potter meets Hunger Games. Yeah, it. Yeah, a lot like that. It was. Um, <laughs> it 
was fun. It was really fun. So, you know, Christmas, gore, all the good stuff. Who doesn't like a good gore story around Christmas? What is that? That movie Krampus? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Krampus. that's a creepy mm-hmm. one. Um, Harry gets presents, and Hagrid gets presents. makes him a homemade flute. He whittles him a flute. Like, that doesn't sound easy, especially when, like, you're a giant, or half giant, and you have, like, giant hands. Seriously. That takes... Like, to whittle, like, a like nice, delicate little flute? Incredible. And it what an artisan. Like and Hagrid got Harry an owl. I'm just, <laughs> I'm very, I love it so much. And it's, like, the only, I mean, he also gets, like, the handmade sweater from, and um, homemade fudge from Miss Weasley, but, like... I don't know. I just love that he's getting these like really thoughtful presents right after getting like the coin from yeah yeah the Dursleys. That he's getting these things that like you have to put a lot of time into whittling a flute and you have to put a lot of time into knitting a sweater mm-hmm. and a pretty decent amount of time into making homemade veg. So it's just a lot of people showing how much they care for him and it's very very sweet. There's something really special about making a gift for somebody in that way. Like mm-hmm. last year I did a um, cross stitch fox for my, one of my younger sisters who loves foxes. And I really want to like make, I made candles one year and it's just, it's really nice to just make something and spend the time that you would have spent fretting about what should I get them. And instead just saying, okay, I'm going to create this and put all of my love and energy into it. And it's really special that Harry gets to experience that with, you know, Mrs. Weasley, who he doesn't even know, and Hagrid, who he knows and cares about already. It's a beautiful, happy... Ugh, it's making me, like, choke up a little bit with happiness. <laughs> it also just reminds me of, like, my mom because she knits and makes fudge every Ooh. year. And so it's just very, like, I love it. I don't know. Yeah. It's very good. Like, she it's... literally sent me homemade fudge and Aww. knitted me stuff last Christmas. <laughs> uh, I need it on that. <laughs> I'll tell her you're not expecting any presents, and so maybe she'll knit you a sweater. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. But she's not um, a witch, so knitting a sweater would probably take, like, forever. <laughs> Fair. She does have sweaters that she's knitted herself, and they're very impressive, but... That's some like, work. It's a lot of work. She knitted me socks one time. And they have the tiniest little stitches. Oh, they're incredible. Mm. So, so much good happens in this chapter that we both were kind of. I mean, sure, I'm sure there's stuff that we overlooked that could be nasty, but I don't know. The holiday vibes. It was such a like happy feeling. I had a lot of trouble coming up with something enchantingly nasty, but I. I did, you know, Draco's pretty mean in this chapter, as usual, um, Mm -hmm. making fun of people for being, you know, like, you know, for being poor or for being orphans, you know, not really comedy gold. So this is sad, but mostly for Draco because, you know, he needs to really work on his comedy repertoire and his... (laughs) You know, the kinds of jokes that he's making. If you're, you know, if you're going to go in, try and go for something that actually is funny and not just like, haha, I'm mean. That's not funny. So. Yeah. Especially because they're also, um, it's mentioned that he was trying to make fun of Harry 
um, for the way that he caught the snitch in the last chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, of like calling him a frog or some sort of frog. And everyone was just like so impressed with Harry that they didn't even think it was funny. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like Draco like tripping over himself trying to be funny and like nobody thinks he is. So he's yeah. just like grasping and he's just like, well, I'm just going to be really mean then, okay? <laughs> you know, it makes me think that like this must be a kind of, in some ways, kind of a shitty year for Draco. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's worked so hard to be the most special child in the world. Mm-hmm. And then here comes the fucking chosen one. <laughs> Being <laughs> literally the most special child in the world. But, I mean, I get it. And he's 11, so I'm going to give Draco a pass for this year. Mm-hmm. He gets older, and it's less forgivable. Yeah. But he's a child. He's going off of what he's been told his whole life and what he's been told is funny which is you know making fun of people who are less fortunate than you and that's super super sad that he got raised into thinking this way because that i mean it not only it's sad for him that he's being raised into kind of a shit person Mm -hmm. but it also makes it harder for him to like socialize with people his age yeah yeah because he's being an asshole he can't like Everyone's like, okay, this kid is mean. I don't want to make him mad, but I also don't really want to be around him because it makes yeah. me feel bad. Exactly. He's got like three friends, which is about the same as Harry. So mm-hmm. I guess he's, do- I mean, he's in Slytherin. So at least he's in the house that would understand that kind of thing. Totally. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. They are the ones who would know. He's 11. So. It's difficult for me to call an 11-year-old a piece of shit any more than I already have. Fair. Um, I think I've already may have said it too many times. (laughs) (laughs) My concern, like, other than that, I think the only thing that annoyed me is just Ron was being kind of dumb in this chapter. But, like, that's wrong. Yeah. There's, uh, whenever Harry wakes up, then he sees his pile of presents and he's, like, shook, of course. (laughs) And... (laughs) Um, he's just like, I've got some presents. And Ross is like, like, yeah, what do you expect? Turnips? And then, like, literally, like, on the next page, then he's just like, yeah, I told my mom you weren't expecting any presents. <laughs> just like, well, then why are you giving Harry shit for being surprised at having presents? <laughs> like, bless him for, like, telling his mom and asking his mom to be like, hey, Harry doesn't have anything. I'm an 11-year-old with no money. Can you maybe, like, send him something or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, it was very sweet. But also, like, why is he being a punk about it? He's, it's like, that is not how I would have reacted. And I, I don't know. Those Those little moments are great opportunities to, like be super nice and be like yeah look isn't that awesome and you know mm-hmm. it's just ron's personality to be a little bit of a nincompoop. a little contrary yeah. yeah i mean honestly i would probably do that this seems this seems like something i would say so but being very hypocritical we all we need you know we have to grow as people we have to mm-hmm. be critical even in moments where things mostly go okay so the next time Ron knows to be more kind just in case Harry's not in the right headspace to receive a joke like that. Yeah. So. Also, turnip seems like a weird go-to. 
I'm thinking very hard about that now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like white turnips. And now it's just, I have it, this vision in my mind of Harry waking up on Christmas morning with like an animal crossing, like buying out the stock market level of like stack of turnips <laughs> at the foot of his bed. Like he sits up and some of them tumble off and it's got one of those charms like in um, the vault in the Lestrange uh, vault in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> every time he touches it, the turnips just multiply <laughs> by the thousands. I want just a dragon that's hoarding turnips. Yes! <laughs> yes! So, Ron can be kind of a shit, but we love him. Yes. So, oh, this week for Accio Fandom, where we feature fan-made creations of all kinds, um, overall, we are both, like, feeling happy feelings from this chapter so we, we didn't there wasn't anything major to like look for a solution to no not not from where we were and so instead um there's some lovely uh beautiful christmas potter fan art i will let rebecca describe to you yes so it, um it's called the potter's christmas portrait and it's um a piece of art from a universe where voldemort didn't exist and James and Lily are around and Harry is 17 and they're all wearing their Christmas sweaters and they're just taking a little family portrait and James has little antler ears on and it's just happy and good Mm -hmm. and after like reading this chapter and seeing them have like Harry kind of have like family time with the Weasleys and stuff and then have this struggle of like looking into the mirror and never seeing his family Basically, this picture made both of us like want to cry because it's just so good. <laughs> it is. We have like um, Indian James and Harry in this picture. Mm-hmm. Always great to see. This is it's one of my favorite like headcanons for Harry. Um, and it it just like I don't know. It, it it's very warm and fuzzy and happy and. Even though a lot of this chapter is super happy, um, in the next half of the show, we're kind of moving to the other half of the chapter, which is more Mirror of Erised, sad, grieving Harry, figuring out how to navigate his new life. Um, mm-hmm. So this was this was what we needed. Oh, and that picture was also drawn by Maria, who is up the hill art on Tumblr or Instagram. Yes. Go go check that art out because there are some very lovely pieces, especially on Instagram. There's a lot of really beautiful, good art from her. So yeah, highly recommend. So justice there's, so this is mostly like happy family fun time, but there were a few things um, institutionally going on that we were hemming and hawing about a bit. Um, it, at the feast, when McGonagall and Hagrid have both been drinking, and then Hagrid leans over and kisses McGonagall, uh, that felt super weird and forced. Like, look at these two heterosexual characters, and it, it just it felt very out of character the way McGonagall responded, and it just kind of felt like a an author imposing behaviors onto uh, and gender binary behaviors and just 
a lot of nasty stuff that made me feel a little bit like, ooh. Just seemed like weird characters to pick for that, too. Yeah. Like, if she'd picked, like, characters that we didn't know as well, like, um, maybe, like, Flitwick and somebody, or, like, Sprout somebody, like, somebody that we didn't, like, have as much context for, then, like, sure, whatever. Right. Um, but we know Hagrid, and we know McGonagall, and Hagrid, first of all, we see him get drunk a couple times in the series, but, like, overall, I mean, he can hold his alcohol, so yeah. I don't see him getting drunk off of drinking wine at Mm-mm. the table. Um, unless he got a really big wine glass. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, it's possible, but it just, I don't know, seemed kind of odd. Um, it also just seemed odd for him to be getting drunk in front of his co-workers and students. Mm-hmm. It seemed weird in general that they were drinking at all, but yeah, like, saying they're responsible for children, but moving on from that. <laughs> um, McGonagall also just does not seem, I mean, she's very powerful she's very in control she's very like respectable and restrained and i get the idea of like wanting to like say that like oh she's letting loose around the holidays but there's better ways to do that than saying like oh she got drunk and she was blushing because some guy kissed her cheek yeah um it just is weird especially from miss i'm a i'm a feminist <laughs> writing the book mm-hmm. um it, it's just it was a weird thing to add in and I think that there's more creative and more interesting ways to show the teachers having a good time yeah than saying they got drunk and kissed each other it's like you said if it had been different characters that would mm-hmm. be one thing but like this neither of these characters it just this inner this interaction did not feel genuine I just oh my god I wish it had been Hagrid like Hagrid kissing Dumbledore's cheek Oh, yeah. How be sweet. Because that could have just been Hagrid being, like, goofy and just being like, oh, Dumbledore, you're the best. Mm-hmm. And just, like, being cutesy. And then Dumbledore just being like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. I didn't expect that. <laughs> just being like, oh, you guys are... Just, I don't know. It could have just been, like, a cute thing as yeah. opposed to, like, with Hagrid and McGonagall and having McGonagall blush, it just seemed like it was trying to be romantic. Yeah. Which... Getting drunk in front of children isn't very romantic, uh, no. so we could just not do that. Like, it's like that whole, like, oh, it's the holidays, so there's extra room for romance and, you know, whimsy, which I'm all about that, but mm-hmm. in this kind of forced way, you just, you know, let's have some creativity. Have it Hagrid and Dumbledore, have it Snape and Flitwick, you know, like, <laughs> something else. Yeah, I just like, or if it, it could have been like, they walked with mistletoe, so like, like kiss their cheek or something like that. Yeah, it was just like something goofy, but just like, I'm also just like starting to get really stuck on the fact that they were getting drunk, <laughs> because it wasn't just like they had a couple glasses of wine and they were just like feeling relaxed. It seemed like they were drunk at that point. If you're, have you had enough to be like giggling and kissing somebody who you wouldn't normally kiss? That's you know that's drunk right yeah i, like, would I mean say unless so. you just like are real chill all the time <laughs> mcgonagall is not real chill all the time no and hagrid, and hagrid is also part giant so for him right. to get tipsy at all he has to be drinking a lot he'd have to be drinking multiple bottles of wine yeah which like been there <laughs> don't recommend <laughs> um it's just it's it's a little weird yeah it's a lot weird yeah 
It is. Don't get drunk. Don't get drunk in front of children. Please don't. That's my advice for the holidays. <laughs> you can have a drink, have some wine, but like just you know, kids. Also, if you're writing a children's book, maybe a fun way to talk about the holidays isn't to talk about the adults in your life getting drunk. But I don't know. That's just me. Lord Almighty brings some Christmases back. <laughs> Right? Like, nobody wants, like, the adults at the Christmas party to get drunk in front of the kids. Like, that's never a good time. And yet, here we are, talking about the adults at a Christmas party getting drunk in front of the kids. <laughs> in a school! We could go on about, like, the normalization of, like, alcoholism and, you know... There's a lot of casual drinking in Harry Potter, considering mm-hmm. the age, like, target. Yeah. And, like... I know there's definitely a cultural difference between us and, like, you know, the age of drinking in uh, the UK and Europe is much lower than it is here. But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, like, doesn't make it all okay. Doesn't mean we should put it in books. (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, when you show somebody that behavior is, you know, this is what we do at Christmas, this is normal, this is how everybody should be, then it, like, makes it more complicated and weird for, you know, people who don't want to drink or people who, like, avoid drinking for lots of different reasons. There's many layers here to, like, being more careful about the depiction of drugs and alcohol in (laughs) children's books especially. Yes. Especially, like, during the holidays, because people who do struggle with drinking and stuff like that holidays are like the worst they are they are like it is very between the like the pressure to um uh, you know have to be merry and to you know eat and drink everything in front of you which like Mm -hmm. then there's also the like the weird social pressure of are people going to care that I'm not drinking? Um, are people going to notice that I'm not drinking? There's, you, you don't, nobody has to justify why they're not drinking alcohol. Yeah. Especially because a lot of the reasons people have can be very triggering. <laughs> yeah. So just randomly asking people that you may or may not know very well is weird. Like if it's like your partner or like your best friend who you spend a ton of time with or something and it's really out of character Mm -hmm. then maybe you could just be like hey what's going on right but like don't just ask random people why they're not drinking no just like you know just be like okay cool do you need more water or something right here's a delicious non-alcoholic beverage that yeah (laughs) because sparkling apple juice which is the best oh yes love sparkling apple juice it's delicious Also, I have a complaint. Good. So, Harry is going around the castle in his invisibility cloak because he's not supposed to be out of bed after dark. But this is the Christmas holidays. And I feel like the students of Hogwarts should not have to follow these rules about curfew during, like, if the teachers are getting drunk, and we're having (laughs) snowball fights and all of this stuff is happening. I just, I don't think that a curfew is necessary. Just like continue blocking off the dangerous areas. And yeah, that's no need to be a tyrant any more than you already are Hogwarts administration. So that's my complaint. I will, I will say that I think for at least the first years, maybe the second years, 
probably the third year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very young. True. And if I was an adult in charge of them, I probably would also just be like, you guys just can't be out that late because I don't want to be responsible for <laughs> You're 11. But you see, I have issues with authority. So I say <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about like the time when they were like, we're going to go duel. <laughs> right. That's... They're like 11 year olds. And they're like, we're going to go have a wizard's duel. Which can like, like that's very dangerous. And obviously they didn't know enough spells for it to be super dangerous. But when you look at like, what they do to each other later mm-hmm. on whenever Harry's just like using random spells he doesn't even know. Right. Like that's very dangerous. And you can't just have eleven and twelve year olds going out in the middle of the night just having wizard duels. No. It's the equivalent of like, hey, let's go fight each other in the alley. Like, no, let's exactly. not do that. Exactly. So I will say, if I was in charge of kids, they would have a curfew. <laughs> I don't care if it's holidays. Maybe when they get to like 14, you know, at the age where the fun thing to do is like walk around town to the nearest gas station and get some Slurpees, like Mm -hmm. that's when they should be allowed to roam freely when the most they'll do is try to break into the kitchen. I think that is a rite of passage to have to sneak out. And I think that if you can successfully sneak out without waking me up, cool, I'm fine with that. But if you wake me up, I'm going to get mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) You need to be old enough to know how to do it quietly. Yeah. If you're not good at it, then don't do it. Yeah. Also, I would have a talk with the portrait because she's just letting kids in and out Mm -hmm. whenever. And she never tattles, which I love, like, from the perspective of a a kid. Like, (laughs) very cool. Very cool mom here. But, um... From the perspective of, like, an adult who would be in charge of those kids, I'd be like, can you maybe tell us when these kids are out wandering around (laughs) dueling each other? (laughs) So, Chaco's Madame Pomfrey. So, talk about whatever mental health care we have in this chapter. We get a lot of mental health care, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely some good mental health moments. Yes. Like, the whole chapter is Patronus fuel for... Uh, for the rest of the book, but also up until Harry's actually learning the Patronus. I'm sure there's lots of happy memories that can fuel him. I feel like, honestly, just most of this day would just be a really good, like, day to think about if you're trying to, like, cast a Patronus. Yeah. Like, he had, like, good food. He got presents. He had, like, a snowball fight. He got um, a sweater. He got, like, just, it's just a good day. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, like, even when the Dursleys send their abysmal Christmas gift of, like, 50 cents or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. Harry's able to just laugh about it. And I don't know that... It seems like we see a few times where he gets really shitty presents from them in the past where he's not, like, you know, he's not able like to used laugh. used socks, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that he is able to laugh at all shows you that he's in such a good place because he's surrounded by friends. And so that's, that's really nice to see. That's very good. Um, one of the lines that really stuck out to me in this was um, the sentence that starts out, Ron full of turkey and cake with nothing mysterious to bother him, which I desperately want to be Ron at that moment, um, full of turkey and cake with nothing mysterious to bother me. Um, There's this, like, there's a fantasy of having holidays without complications. You know, you don't have grief that you're dealing with from lost loved ones. You don't have any conflict between your family members. 
you're close to everybody, you know, the holidays are just the same as they've always been, you know, uh, I, it's, it's just very relatable where Harry is kind of looking at Ron, like, man, he's having a great day and he doesn't have anything mysterious bothering him. Like I have this cloak that's from my father that somebody left me and I don't know who it is. And it just, it reminded me of that feeling of wishing for like a, a normal holiday or even just like a, a normal quote, normal in quotes, obviously, but a normal life in some ways. I have like so many thoughts that go from that sentence of like, just the nothing to, to bother him kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Cause um, you see like so much, like little bits of jealousy from each of them yeah. with each other. And it's all like, I think very healthy jealousy between Ron and Harry, at least this year it is. Mm-hmm. Later on, not so much. Sure. <laughs> but, um, but I think this year, they're, like, jealous of little things, but then they use it to kind of, like, connect with each other about, like, they, like it's, like, a give and take kind of thing that mm-hmm. works. But um, it, it's interesting that, like, you go from, like, Ron seeing, like, um, being jealous of Harry for, like, having more time in the mirror. He's jealous of Harry for having, like, getting the cool... Uh, invisibility cloak um and then harry just like he has this invisibility cloak but he's just like jealous of ron who doesn't have to worry about this mysterious invisibility cloak. (laughs) so it's it's just it's an interesting back and forth yeah and it's it's very like nice healthy response from these two kids like it's they're just so normal and it's good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nice to see that they, it seems like they get jealous and they also remind each other kind of what they have individually to be grateful for. Yeah, exactly. So we like that. Because whenever Ron's just like, oh, I wish I had this. And Harry's just like, well, it wasn't that great because this. And they kind of, they learn from each other and it's good. Also just the whole like, I wish I could go to bed but I can't because yep. my brain is not going to let me is a big mood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was up till 5 a.m. last night. So like major mood. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Entirely my fault still. <laughs> hey, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Because <laughs> sometimes you're just like going to bed and you're just like, oh, but I need, to, I need to think about this instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I need to like get up and look at something. And I was like, I need to Google this weird random fact that I heard about two weeks ago mm-hmm. and then read it or yeah mine it's like i need to watch a documentary about like a murder mystery exactly. really quick. <laughs> and then i can go to bed <laughs> like, i started reading a new star wars fan fiction tonight and it's one hundred and fifty thousand words and i have to finish it before dawn <laughs> so that seems valid it, it you know very valid reasons to stay up all night yeah absolutely i don't know i can i just like connect with that idea on like multiple levels of just like having a sleep disorder and then also just having like any sort of like mental health issues it's just like you see people who aren't struggling with something and you're just like you just like think about like how cool it would be to like not (laughs) think about what you're thinking about Mm -hmm. so just like no matter what's going on you're always just kind of feeling like that sometimes you mean like some people just like scroll through instagram and go to bed I know. Like some people just fall asleep. That's that doesn't sound sounds right. Sounds fake, but it's real. 
I have unspecified sleep-wake disorder. Ah, fun. Which means that it's not specific enough for them to diagnose me with anything, but I'm really bad at sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially what that phrase means. What a fun way of saying that. They're like, it's not insomnia. It's not like a real problem, but you have an issue. (laughs) It's like like a, you know, a, a diet issue. Like, it's kind of an issue, but there's not... Not enough to call it a real Pepsi. We have nothing to help you with, but you have a problem. Cool. I'm like, thanks for the diagnosis, guys. Awesome. Appreciated. <laughs> <sighs> Harry looks in the mirror, Vera said, and I think this is the first time he's ever seen his parents. Oh, it's so sad. Ah. <sighs> How? It's just, it doesn't make any sense to me. That you can raise a child for 11 years and never show them what their parents looked like Mm-mm. when you have the ability to do so. There I assume, I guess, I don't know, maybe the Dursleys, I guess they would have no reason to have any pictures of. Mm-hmm. Would like, would Lily's parents have pictures from the Potter wedding or something? Maybe, but like the Dursleys wouldn't have any access to that. Just, I feel like. If I were a foster parent, it would be, you know, in a situation like that, you would, you need to find a way. I, like, I have a hard time. It was the 90s. People had pictures of everything. Well, also, something could have been left with him and nothing was. They just dropped him off on his own on the doorstep. Very true. They could have dropped him off with some money to pay for diapers and things. They could have dropped him off with, um with some of his items, like, with, like, pictures and things. They could have dropped him off with all kinds of stuff. But they didn't. They dropped him off by himself with nothing but a letter. Yep. Thanks, Dumbledore. So, yeah. It's partially, largely on the Dursleys. It's also largely on Dumbledore. Yeah. But not on Hagrid. Hagrid did a good job. He did exactly what he was told to do. And he was just trying to trust the process. Mm -hmm. Hagrid did everything. (laughs) Like, it's not Hagrid's job. If Dumbledore is going to assume control over everything, like, Mm -hmm. ugh. Maybe if Dumbledore hadn't been so preoccupied with going around to parties mm. before dropping Harry off, then he could have taken some time to go through the house and get some items to leave with Harry. Yep. Like, just like a shoebox with a few things in it. Right? Just... Like, it's not that hard. A single picture in a frame. Yeah. Something. <sighs> oh, tut Mad. <laughs> <laughs> so, poor Harry, like, sees his parents for the first time... Which and then like all of his other dead relatives also, which I feel like would be kind of uh, significant for anybody. Um, yeah. So then he like becomes obsessed with the mirror and completely loses interest in Flamel, the stone, Snape, everything that he was kind of like obsessing over beforehand. And it's really sad to see him in that kind of mental health state where he is losing interest in things that once captivated him. Mm-hmm. And he literally says, like, who cares if Snape gets whatever they're hiding yeah. or something like that. Like, and it's something that he just cared about so much, like, literally, like, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. That he was, like, sneaking around trying to find out. And they're just like, I don't care about that anymore. And it's very, I think it's supposed to just be, like, a warning of just, like, look how dangerous it is. But I, I don't know. I think that. Harry deserves to see his family. Yeah. And 
I think that it's a totally understandable response from him. Even if it hadn't been in the mirror, even if it had just been like a photo or something, mm -hmm. I think that it's something that would bring up a lot of trauma for him, especially after having this like perfect holiday with the Weasley family. Yeah. Of like seeing like ha seeing what it's like to have like a good holiday with people who care about you and seeing like how um Fred and George were like dragging Percy around like we're gonna have a good holiday and holidays about family like you have to sit with us we don't care if you're a prefect um and just all of these very like strong happy family related memories mm -hmm. to then go and see his entire family who was all dead all at once yeah. for the <laughs> first time would be like mind-blowing yeah a very like it makes sense to shut down after all of mm -hmm. that and Dumbledore saw that so I think yeah he could have done something I just I don't know easily. what I would ask of him exactly but this just feels like another place where like if Dumbledore is going to be taking responsibility for Harry like this then he needs to step up and uh if you're going to expose Harry to something like this, because you know, Dumbledore doesn't put that mirror there thinking Harry's not going to find it. Like, like the door is literally open yeah. and we know that Dumbledore was watching it. Mm -hmm. So, and Dumbledore knows that he went there multiple times. He only went there like three times, I think two or three times, three times. Yeah. Um, so for Dumbledore to know that he went multiple times means that he's been there at least two of those times. Mm -hmm. So he's just been sitting there watching Harry go through this. You know, maybe what it is, is it's like, I know that for Dumbledore seeing, you know, his family, like maybe Ariana in the mirror of Erised is probably very triggering and personal. Um, mm -hmm. But seeing what Harry is going through, it feels like it would have been a really nice place for Dumbledore to share, you know, I've had a similar experience. I lost somebody in my family and I understand yeah. the grief, you know, I, I, I understand grief and sometimes to a, to a certain extent what you're going through. That would have been a really good spot to include something like that. And I think it would have given us more trust in Dumbledore mm -hmm. as if he had opened up a little bit rather than just saying like, I've got some socks Yeah, because he told us that the happiest person wouldn't, not they would see themselves as like something random. He said the happiest person would see themselves exactly as they were. So for him to say that he was holding a pair of socks, it just is implying that that's not true, yeah. I think. Um, and Harry like suspects that too, that he's not telling the truth. Mm -hmm. So it just, I think rather than giving us the thing of just like, ooh, Dumbledore hiding something, I think it would be more useful to maybe have Dumbledore like disclose like I also see um someone from my family that I wish was still here yeah um and it would have given us more trust in Dumbledore and it also would have still gave us a little bit of mystery of just like well what happened to his family or something like that imagine sitting with that for six more books you know mm -hmm. man sad times in front of the mirror <laughs> yeah <laughs> So in our final segment here into the pensive, we reflect on this chapter. We are two thirds of the way through October. So 
between being there temporally and then this Christmas, this chapter being about Christmas, it's got me thinking about holiday season of 2020. And it's, I think we're all in one way or another going to be pining to be full of turkey and cake with nothing mysterious to bother us. Um, We're going to want a Ron-like, Weasley-like holiday that we may feel like we don't have access to. And just want to use this chapter as, you know, fuel for our own Patronuses um, or whatever chapters bring us joy and happiness from the series or other ones. And yeah, my heart's going out to everybody this year. It's 2020 has been a ride and getting through the holiday seasons will be another one, but we're going to be able to do it. And yeah, that's just, it's kind of what it's got me thinking about. Yeah. I think it's just, it's really weird. I think everyone's been wanting 2020 to be over, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's still weird to have like, to think about like the entire year as a whole. I think anytime at the end of the year, like you think about what's gone on in, in 2020 or what's gone on in whatever year you're ending out. And so it's going to be a really tough one to, to have to try and process. Yeah. It's also, I think, um, I think seeing these kids at Hogwarts for the holidays, it just kind of is a reminder of just like how difficult it is for people to visit their family right now. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who can't see their family members. There's a lot of people who have family members who are like in hospitals and they can't even visit them. And it's just, it's just a very weird time to think about you know, kids being just like, oh, we're just going to stay at home. Or we're just going to stay at school over the holidays and stuff like that. Because it's not a decision that we get to make anywhere right now. It's like whether we get to visit our family right now. Yeah. It's just like, well, planes aren't flying in these places. Or there's quarantines. Or I might have been exposed, so I don't want to expose this person. Mm-hmm. Or this person can't wear a mask because of this health issue, so I can't go over and see them. Um, so it's it's kind of sad to just like read this whole chapter about how happy and good it is that they're all coming together and think about the fact that we can't all go be together with people right now. Um, I don't know why I took like this chapter that was super, super happy and I'm just like sad. (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, reflecting on it, it's like, Oh shit, I want a happy Christmas like this. Yeah. It, I guess I would pose a challenge to myself and everybody in that, you know, when we can't go back and see family and we're having a, a holiday at Hogwarts, which can be kind of scary when it's your first time and you, you know, can't go home to people who you love. How do we make, how do we make our home Hogwarts this year? How do we, you know, where are the... Where do we have our own little snowball fight? Where do we knit a Weasley sweater for ourselves? Um, it's going to be yeah. quiet, but I think that we all have a Hogwarts inside of us, and we're really going to have to work to find it this year. Yeah, and I think that it also, um, like, Harry's not with his family, and that's a good thing in this case. Mm-hmm. Like, just because he can't be around people you're normally around doesn't mean that you can't have a good holiday yeah 
or a good time in general outside of the holiday right now. And a total acknowledgement to the people who um, this situation alleviates the pressure that they otherwise would have to be around people who are toxic to them, you know. Mm -hmm. So for some people, it might be a blessing, which like in which case I'm like, good. Like, I'm glad that it's good for somebody because I need some kind of joy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Thank you all for listening once again. And you can join us next week to discuss Chapter 13, Nicholas Flamel. Uh, In the meantime, you can follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook. We are Beyond the Veil Pod. And on Twitter, we are Beyond the Veil MN. I don't know. This is just a really, like, pleasing thing for me to picture in my head. I don't understand. Just picturing Harry and Ron with turnips everywhere in the dorm. I can't. I'm picturing um, the little creature that sells the turnips in Animal Crossing. Joan? Um, Or uh, Daisy May? I don't know. I honestly very rarely wake up early enough on Sundays to ever buy turnips. But um, (laughs) I can picture her. And I'm just picturing her walking around Hogwarts just with yeah. turnips, just oh. selling them. And you know, or just going feels... on the Hogwarts Express just instead of a candy trolley, oh. just like turnips. <laughs> that feels realistic to me. Like I feel like that—that's canon. I agree. I don't know what children want to buy turnips, but um, ones that know how to invest their bells. Obviously, that's true. It's an investment <laughs> opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they should take advantage of it. <laughs> they should. There's... Especially Harry. He needs to learn some money management. It's, it seems like a good idea. You know, if his money's just sitting there in the Gringotts vault, like, he's not making any money. He's losing money to inflation that way. So Let your money work for you, Harry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is the, the financial um, water wheel behind Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Whatever that phrase means. I held myself back, but I was going to say that he's, um, I just was going to compare him to the Daddy Warbucks from Annie. (gasps) But then I was just like, I don't know if I want to go there. I like that. Okay. (laughs) In our constant recasting of the books and movies, Harry is Daddy Warbucks. And Annie is Rob. (gasps) Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm like fighting the urge to open Photoshop up. But there's this like fantasy of having um, a dog that does not try to kill people who 